Okay, I have a little test for you. Those of you that have kids in school, or even college currently, ask them to balance a checkbook for you. Or ask them if they know how to fix a leaky faucet. Shoot, even ask them if they can fry up something as simple as over-easy eggs. I guarantee you they probably can't. And the reason being is because a lot of this stuff is not being taught in public schools nowadays. I remember when I went to school, I mean, we had shop, we had home ec. There was a lot of things that we were taught that basically, you know, fundamentals of life. And one of the things that's really hurting right now is a lot of your skilled labor, whether it be, you know, roofers, uh, electricians, plumbers. This stuff is not being taught in the schools. It's actually sad because these positions are not going to go away. Now, here's the other sad thing. You know, these kids are going to school and they're being pushed to go to college. Go to college, go to college, go to college. That's all they're hearing. And a lot of these kids, and I've seen it, they'll go to college for one year or two years. They end up leaving that college because it's not what they wanted to do. It wasn't the career that they thought they wanted. The other thing is they're getting slammed with all these student loans. You know, they have the loan companies that are putting out these student loans and these kids are getting hit with interest rates, which is ridiculous. So on this episode of Harford County Living, we talked about that, but we also had some people in the trade in or you know, on here and they're talking about apprenticeship programs. And this is something that's not even talked about in school. My son, who's on this episode, actually was supposed to go to uh, school in in college in Nashville and turned it down. And now he's actually going through the apprenticeship program. They pay for him to go to school. They and also he's actually working. So, you know, he's getting paid while learning a trade. So sit back and relax and. I think you're going to find a lot of interesting facts on here. And please respond to me either in social media or email. Ask your kids or actually even friends of yours if this is something they've learned or do they know how to balance the checkbook? Do they know how to fix a leaky phone? Any simple things, just find out from them and let me know. This is the Harford County Living Show, voted as Harford County's favorite local podcast, introducing you to local businesses, organizations, artists, musicians, and more. Harford County Living, there's no place like it. Here's your host, Rich Bennett. I'd like to welcome everybody to Harford County Living, and on this episode today, I want to thank Joe Ayler of Tar Heel Construction for being our sponsor. So, Joe, I'm going to... Tell everybody a little bit about Tar Heel real quick and the work you guys do. Um, so we're Tar Heel Construction Group. Uh, we are residential and commercial roofing and exteriors uh, based out of Bel Air, Harford County, raised and self-made Harford County company. We do Harford County and Baltimore County, a little bit in Baltimore City, but uh, Harford County is definitely our home. And you all exterior, right? Exterior remodeling. Okay. 
And on this episode, we have Christian Walker, who Christian was on the podcast, oh, God, years ago, I guess. Helped me out with the arts festival and everything. We talked about a couple of different things. So, Christian, introduce yourself. Explain what it is that we're going to be talking about today. So, my name is Christian Walker. I'm the student representative on the Board of Education for this year. I'm a senior at C. Milton Wright. Uh, and really, the purpose of this podcast is informing the community and especially getting the word out there to students and business owners about uh, some of the opportunities that are available once they graduate high school, what some steps students should be taking in high school and even in middle school to prepare for um, you know, life after school and really being aware of, I think, breaking down some of the stigmas of um, some options outside of college. So I'm excited about talking about some new things. I guess everybody go around and introduce yourselves. All right. My name's Dan Bennett. Yes, I am related. Um, I'm a third-year apprentice with the IBEW, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. I got into the union June of 2017. I haven't looked back since. A little bit about how I even got to this point. When I was in high school, my dream was to be a teacher of some sort, like an English teacher, a music teacher. I started going through college. One way or another, I just ended up with a job working with a BGE contractor. I stayed there for three years, and working at a desk job just wasn't my thing, and I decided I wanted to go be an electrician. I looked at the North American trade schools, and I wasn't really all that thrilled about having to pay 15 grand to go learn there. And my stepdad, who's with us here today, Jim Hoos, he's in the insulators union, so I decided to look at the electrician's union, found that it's tuition-free, all I have to pay for is books, and uh, I just haven't looked back since. It's easy to get into, and, doesn't you know. Hurt, doesn't hurt doesn't, as much as the wrestling, either. Does doesn't it? hurt as much as wrestling would have. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and, and they reach, they cover Baltimore County, Harford County, Baltimore City, Cecil, I think, a little bit. Um, my first job was out in Frederick. So they're all over this side of Maryland. Pretty much, Joe. Well, you already, you already, did. everybody yeah, knows I'm you good. already. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim, Brian. Hi, my name is Brian Cavey. I'm the business manager at Insulators and Allied Workers Local 24. Prior to that, I was the apprenticeship director for the Insulators Union for 18 years. I got into the trade because my grandfather was in the trade, my father was in the trade. I'm the old school nepotism guy that that <laughs> got into the trade but then you know de decided that I wanted to get into the the training end and instruct and ultimately be became the apprenticeship director and fulfilling because you are helping young people advance into their career and and ultimately be able to you know raise their families and so on and so forth so it's been rewarding um, I'm Jim Hoos I guess I'm the stepdad that Dan <laughs> talked about earlier I'm currently the apprenticeship director at Local 24, Heat and Frost Insulators, took over for Brian in January. I've uh, been in the local for 22 years, uh, worked in the field, got into the trade by accident, more or less. Always liked working with apprentices and helping them out on the job and teaching them there. Brian gave me the opportunity, I guess, five or six years ago to start teaching, and uh, then I got the opportunity to be the director in January. So we cover most of Maryland, Baltimore, D.C. metro area, and we currently have 87 apprentices working in our local. Wow. I guess you don't need to introduce yourself, Law. Nope, just if, sitting here quietly. Everybody <laughs> knows you from previous <laughs> podcasts. Yeah. yeah. 
Jim, actually, one thing was Jim and Danny mentioned, they did not, Thorn School had no intentions of getting into this field. What about you? And Brian, <laughs> your, your family was in it, right? Correct? I, I went to one year of community college. I hated it. Okay. It was like, it was like 13th grade. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, a, um, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's something that a young person needs to um, kind of go through naturally. And, and my, kinda, my story, um, you know, I graduated Salisbury University with a degree in biology and didn't, um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I took a biology class and um, liked anatomy and physiology and thought it was cool and thought to myself, well, why don't I just major in biology? But then when I got out of college, it's kind of like you kind of have that overwhelming feeling of, well, you know what, now now what? Yeah. I don't have any money. I don't have any skills. I've got an education. You know, what do I do? So, um, you know, I leaned on somebody that I knew that worked at Johns Hopkins, and they got me in um, – as a lab technician for a, for a Lou Gehrig's disease lab and worked there for two years and just wasn't feeling it. You know, you gotta, it, it's about a vibe, it was about a vibe and a feeling for me and that's kind of how I operate, you know, a lot of aspects of my life on my gut feeling and, and my faith and my instincts. Um, and I, I left Hopkins, you know, and it, it just wasn't for me. It was really cool research and, um, and I moved back home and I called up an old buddy of mine and he was working for a home improvement company and uh, that's how I got into home improvements. Interesting dude, that none of, none of us went to school or learned it in school, went to college or some other kind of mm-hmm. school and we're not even doing... But it wasn't my, my, you know, my granddad wasn't, you know, a doctor where my right. dad was a doctor and I'm going to be a doctor no matter what. My, it's in my lineage to be a physician and you know I, I didn't have that so I kind of had to kind of find you know kind of make my own way you know were any of these things offered in school though when you guys went mm. yeah, yeah they were in, in yeah. high school yeah okay in the 80s well, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I mean I, I was, I'm I, with you Brian I was That's a while ago yeah. in the 80s we I graduated stuff. yeah I graduated high school 2011 so it wasn't that long ago I mean I'm obviously not Christian's age um, but, uh, yeah, like they, they pushed college more for sure. I mean, I remember people coming in to talk about all the different colleges in the area and what their tuition costs were, what their specialties were. If you want to be a teacher, you should go to Towson. If you want to be this, you should go here. Um, and they might've pushed trades a little bit. I mean, I know I had like a shop class and stuff like that, but I only took one year of it in high school, one year in middle school, I think. Um, I don't think that's necessarily enough, but I also don't necessarily think that people in high school necessarily know right away what they want to do, obviously, but construction should definitely be pushed more just in general and skilled labor. Um, because they're good life skills. I mean, whether you go into the business or not, they're good life skills. Exactly. Being able to to change a tire or fix a faucet in your home or anything else. Yeah, Yeah, you should know that regardless of if you're in construction because you could save (laughs) so much money changing your own oil compared to taking it to the shop and spending a hundred (laughs) bucks. I think they need to lay out expectations on how to manage a household, expectations on what you're going to make in that kind of career, you know, there's careers out there where you make 35000 a year, 
where you make 60, where you make 90, you know, and so on, you know, up to, you know, up to whatever. Um, but, you know, dual, dual providing incomes, you know what I'm saying, if, if you're the husband and wife works, you know, in my family, my wife doesn't work. So that means I need to make twice as much, right. you know, if my mortgage is X, my BG&E is X, my, my entertainment's X, this is X, I want to save for retirement, that means that I need to make 130000 a year to, you know what I'm saying? I, I think they don't, te- I don't, I don't think they teach that. No, mm-hmm. no, they don't. You know, and, and in order to execute that plan, you've got to have a good credit score. And oh, yeah. how do you get it? You know, it's th- those kind of... They, they teach to go to college. They are preparing kids for college period um, mm-hmm. and and to be successful in college and to be successful in college isn't necessarily to be successful in, in life. life correct you know you go to college mm-hmm. and you got to write essays you got to pass tests you got to do all that kind of stuff that that educates you you know and mm-hmm. and there's a whole lot of people that need education doctors and lawyers and you know that all of those trades need um, education uh, but none of what they are preparing those kids for give you the how to support a family and 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 run your household and your finances and everything that you just mentioned um you know and and i think that that transition started in the 80s that it was pushing them pushing people to college they pushed us to college but there was still votech back then and you know they got rid of votech it's not it's not votech anymore cte um uh, but it, it, now, now they don't even have any push to any other opportunity, as Christian put it. You know, and and we keep trying to say that there needs to be um, the explanation of those opportunities, and those explanations I don't think just need to go to the students; they need to go to the parents. Yes, parents push kids to college because I think they have the dream of. My kid's going to be that CEO that has all those zeros after their income. Um, and you might as well play the lottery. That's like hitting the lottery mm-hmm. um, to be that one in a million person that makes all of that money. Um, you know, yeah. you, 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 you just need to be a successful at what you do. And if you work hard at what you do, no matter what it is, yeah. um, then you should be able to raise your family and if that's something that needs an education great if it's something that needs a different type of education like I'm going to argue that apprenticeship is post-secondary education that is equal to college um, there's a whole lot of education you need to be a construction worker sure. yeah, yeah. Um, how to do your job how to be safe at your job um, and ultimately if you're going to be the foreman or more, how to manage that job. Um, there is a lot of education that you get through apprenticeship um, that other people get mm-hmm. very similar stuff in college. Yeah. Um, but you're getting it without right. student loans and all that kind of stuff, like you mentioned. Yeah, and the other great thing about apprenticeships and you know our, our paths is that we don't have to be electricians and insulators and roofers all the time i mean you own your own business you're a business manager you're an apprenticeship director i don't have to just be an electrician for the rest of my life i mean this opens up so many other opportunities for me being an electrician of course i can look across at you guys and you and know that you know how to well i don't know what insulators do you wrap 
wrap things, wrap pipes. Fiberglass. They insulate things. They insulate things, exactly. And you know that I, you look at me and you know that I know how to put in a receptacle and you know how to install siding. So, um, but then it, again, it takes us so many places beyond just that. I, I could still be a teacher one day and I'd probably love to do that. I'd still love to teach apprentices one day once I really, really, really know what I'm doing. So a few things that I've heard, and I think it's interesting, it all ties into my, this kind of statement that I've come up with in talking with students and talking to people about this issue is that it should not take kids 13 years to become useful. And sometimes mm -hmm. more. So now sometimes mm -hmm. more. So if you think about it, we're going to forget about ages 0 to 5. That's just development. If you start in kindergarten and go to the end of high school, that's 13 years of education. I would argue that in those last four years, which in, this, in this district and most districts is high school, you should be on some type of trajectory toward a skill or some type of general career field. And it's also and it's okay in that time. You know, we don't necessarily have to push kids to say you need to know exactly what you're going to do. Right which as I've heard from all of you, I think most of you didn't know what you were going, going to do exactly, or you had an mm -hmm. idea and then it changed. So, you know, we definitely want to encourage that that's okay, but it's also important to push the development of a skill or to get students to start crafting an idea of what it is they want to do and to give them direction on that path. Because right now, the thing that I hear about most is the lack of direction. They don't, it's just, uh, I don't know and I'm not really looking well, look, you've got two years of high school left, and then what? So the other thing that I think ties into what you've been saying is the fact that once you go to college or once you go through an apprenticeship, but specifically in this case I'm referring to college, just because you're done with college, that's the start. Mm -hmm. And... And this doesn't necessarily go into trades, but one of the things that my dad, one of the things he does in his job is review um, resumes and applications for jobs. And what he notices is that he's in defense. Some of these guys that are applying to be systems engineers, their undergraduate degree is biology or economics. And even within their degree, they shifted. So that... I think that's important to emphasize to students that your bachelor's degree or your apprenticeship program, or that's not the end-all, be-all for what you end up doing. You have that, that flexibility and you have options, but it's about educating students about what those options are rather than, I don't want to say nothing, but kind of a lack of a clear direction. Um, and then the, the last thing that I think is interesting, and I came with a few statistics, one of them was from the... Uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics from the spring, from the April report. So right now about 70% of students are going to some type of college, whether it be community college, state school, private school, whatever. 30% obviously then are not. Out of those 30%, if you break down the statistics, there's a category that's labeled other, and that's 8%. And that would be your maybe trades. We're assuming that that would be what that is because there's no category say, for it. Because I would think yeah. more than that's going into the military. And that's so military was six percent. You had some. Wow, you had some other, um, and that that includes National Guard, all the right. branches. Um, is there a was there a percentage for full time employment? Four percent. That's there was. that's where apprenticeship is. Believe so it or not, 
that's where they put apprenticeship. Okay. They don't count apprenticeship as education. Right, they which, put us as full-time employment. Which makes sense because, well, yeah, it's, I, I, they're getting paid. Well, they're, they're working, program, right? but, yeah, but, it doesn't but it's it. real education. Right. I mean, yeah. they come to class. We're affiliated with community colleges. There are so few apprenticeship programs these days that are affiliated with community colleges that are getting credit towards an associate's degree. Yeah. And, and at the end of the program, the, the, the graduate goes into the trade, but could also be decide to use those credits to keep going and get their associate's degree in whatever, construction management, right. um, engineering, uh, architecture, you know, they, they get those first 30 credits in the apprenticeship and then, which can help them advance their career. That, you know, I, my argument is that apprenticeship is education and that's why I get offended that we're in the full-time employment because you're not going to advance your career at anything without edu without education yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know workers that are in the field there's new technology all the time and the employer trains them on the new technology right there's there's safety stuff people get hurt in construction so we go through safety education all the time you're continuing your education go to work at McDonald's they get a new fryer they're going to train people how to right. use it <laughs> Um, you know, so so it's it's not that education is the bad thing; it's that the construction trades are just another avenue um, of opportunity that includes education, uh, you know, and can be one heck of a lucrative career. And that's that's an interesting point. So, I guess the next thing would be educating students on the reality of their financial future and I think we already touched on that a bit in terms of budgeting understanding loans understanding taxes which is not taught in school well there, there are some exceptions I will say but for the most part that's not a regular part of the curriculum well, right. so the checkbook. No. <laughs> no that's another right there's there's yeah there's many aspects to it really just summarize into basic budgeting and financial planning but that goes for your post-high school avenue as well. Because, you know, if you're not sure what you want to do and you're maybe misguided or given the wrong guidance and you do go to a state school or a private school that's 40, 50, 60,000, some of them are more, a year, and you decide that's not, you don't have a path at that school, you have sunk costs and they're significant. Whereas in a trade school, while they call it, and I think I research an average cost, it's between fifteen and 30000 But then you're looking at what are you making when you come out versus if you go to college and you have $100,000 in debt, maybe right. your starting salary is a little higher, but it, you have to really look at for your degree, for your major, what, what are you getting out of that and I, I think I know where you're going with that in some cases the trade the starting salary for trades are higher and sometimes significantly higher yep. so that's another aspect that and I think you know more about that than I do but that is one so the point is not only do students need to be aware of what are their opportunities whether it be apprenticeships or or college or another avenue what does that look like for them financially? Are they going to be able to sustain themselves? Do they want to have a family? When do they want to have a family? Are they going to be able to sustain that family? So that part is what's really lost, on, I find is lost on the student population is 
financial planning and understanding what it means to take to be in debt a hundred thousand dollars for a college degree which if you're going into something that you know doctor lawyer you know your return on investment may be good but for some mm. of them it's you don't <laughs> have that that option. So. I was going to say, look how many doctors, how many doctors that have gone, gotten their degree, and everything are getting out of the field because the money's not there anymore. Lower you know, demand. Be, be, well, more saturate, oversaturated. Doctors are getting hit. Healthcare. That, well, not just the healthcare, but the insurance because of all the lawsuits against them. So yeah, it's just becoming ridiculous how much. Another doctor that my wife used to use. Dropped his one practice because of the, um, I can't think of the name of the lawsuits. Malpractice suits. Right. Because their malpractice insurance is sky high now. And the money's not there like it used to be. Computer field's another one. Lyle and I were, you know, mm-hmm. Lyle was in the computer field longer than I. But he got me in it back in 98, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. If, you ha- if you were a Cisco engineer or Microsoft uh, certified systems in- engineer, you were easily, easily starting out about one hundred twenty thousand a year. What is that? You know, what are they getting now? They're lucky if they're getting what sixty thousand, because the field's over. You know, it's just oversaturated. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you're, you're paying, you're putting out all that money for college. I think a lot of students are being misled, which I think is why a lot of school labor is hurting right now. The field is hurting because they're being told. Oh, become a doctor, that's where the money is. Become a lawyer, that's where the money is. Get into the computer field, that's where the money Money, 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 money is what's being pushed on them. And the thing is, uh, uh, something my father taught me a long time ago, you can make all the money in the world, but if you ain't got the time to enjoy it with your family and friends, what's the sense in it? Yeah. So I, I can probably give you an example without getting into our wage rates and packages. Um, personal example. So I went through the apprenticeship program, became a journeyman. My wife went to college and got into human resources. Um, We made about the same amount of money in the end. I probably got to the rate faster than she did, but she is just this year, she'll be paying off her college debt. And we use my health insurance. The, the the other you met Christian you mentioned those trade schools that are somewhere in the range of fifteen to thirty thousand right. dollars of tuition, and frankly they're just another for profit education system yeah. that that while they they're teaching young people about a trade they're they're sucking some money out of them just like the colleges do mm-hmm. most apprenticeship programs don't have tuition. Um, there be some fees for books or something like that, um, uh, but an apprenticeship program is an, an education about the trade while you have the job. So while you said that when you come out of when you come out of trade school, maybe they start a little higher than coming out of college. The thing is, when they start as an apprentice, they're starting higher than any of those people. You know, they're sure. and and they're making give thirty grand say, and entering an apprenticeship program, and then they work their way through. Every year, you're gaining experience and knowledge, so you get increases in your wages, and you work your way up through those wage systems without having a tuition or, or you know, right. student loans. So you've already made, you know, through a, a four-year program, 
a hundred grand or give or more um, that you have in a bank or you have something to show for it, and you're continuing to advance through your career um, where they go to college, they have hundred grand in student loans, nothing in the bank, and then got to go find that job that's right. going to help them pay those loans off. Well, you're also going to need yeah. to go buy a car, buy a home, buy you know everything else. And oh, yeah. that's another tidbit I think is for those for students who are pretty sure that they do want to at least start on the college route or they have an idea of a career they want that does require a four-year education um, in addition to being aware of what that cost looks like uh, I think it's interesting for students to know what that degree they're pursuing yields in terms of starting salary and hiring rate because one of the so one of the stats I had was that 70% go to college the first of all the dropout rate is significant the six <laughs> the six-year graduation rate not four years the six-year graduation rate is 60% for public universities 66% for private universities 21% for private for-profit universities and that's of the 70% that's of the 70% so then if you take that remaining uh, fraction of the students there's not a really, I couldn't find a really solid statistic for this, but somewhere between 8 and 13% are struggling to find any employment in the first six yeah. months. So it's also a matter of where I would argue, and I think you could argue too, if you're in an apprenticeship program, your job security, that's probably not one of your top five concerns in life is with your job security because you're on a path. You have options. Coming out of college... You know, if your school offers really good internship opportunities, you're probably in good shape, depending on what the degree program is. But that's another thing. It, it's Again, I think I keep talking about looking beyond 18 years old. And, you know, the next step is important. What are you doing with that next step? But also understanding what, what it's going to look like for you when you're 25 or 30. And that's... And if we can get kids, don't really naturally think about that. They pretty much think about the next like month. Hmm. <laughs> but it, that might you know, a lot. That, <laughs> that's a really forward. But thing. that's that's why they need that. They need guidance from someone, whether it be a teacher in school, a counselor, a parent, their apprenticeship leader, someone that can give them an idea of, hey, look, this is the real world. This is what you're looking at. A lot of kids don't have that, and no. that's that is what I want to work on is, you know, there's so, there, it, it is true, it's cliche, there's so much out there, and I think that's what makes it so difficult for some kids to figure out what they want to do, but an abundance of options does not necessarily mean an abundance of successful options and lucrative options, so that's, that's the challenge, I think, is figuring out, is connecting people like you to students to give them either an opportunity or at least an idea of what you know build a mentorship program you know if, if even if they don't go into the trades it's it's uh to work with and, and speak to people that that uh, are living that every single day and they can get that idea because they don't teach it in school um no. i wanted to ask one question before before it's lost when you mentioned i think it was four percent um uh, was the, the full-time employment right uh, percentage, and within that is the is factor the uh, apprenticeship programs, and it kind of leads into a, a later question about the social stigma of, of the trades. 
Um, what, did, what have you found and what are you finding? I know you just started, Christian, in, in working with, with other students in the school system, but what have you found in, in your career as far as stigmas, um, attitudes with people coming in um, from even knowing what an apprenticeship program is, uh, what they can do with it, or um, uh, and or um, uh, the stigma of you know blue collar work you know that's that's like my last choice like a, when I was growing up the military you know you went in the military if you didn't have anything better to do which is crap but that that was and in <laughs> some circles that's still that's still the uh, uh, response you get but um, but anyway what what have you seen? Um, yes, can Well, both of you. Oh. you. You know, you being in the. Uh, in the business for many years, and then Christian now just beginning to, to you know, interview uh, students and, and seeing where they are and what they think. Uh, well, I mean, it's starting to get better that mm -hmm. the, the 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 kids in school are being told about opportunities. Um, in the the forties, fifties, and sixties, it was. It, it was respected to go get in the trades, right? We were building the cities, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we were building ships, we were building everything, right? Um, and and the trades were a a respected opportunity to get into. Um, but all of the people in that generation, and it was uh, at the end of my grandfather's generation and the beginning of my father's generation, is when that was happening. But then they, I, I want to say, the jobs kind of filled up. Right, that that there was so many people in there, they didn't need anybody yeah. else. Um, well, so so my father was the baby boomer group, and they're retiring. He's been retired twelve years now. Um, the end of the baby boomer group is the early sixties. They're retiring. The guy that I replaced was in that group. He retired. Um, so now that those baby boomers are retired, the the X and Yers weren't told about the the construction right and so right. a few of us got in but not as many maybe that should have so we've got this small group um, of people with the knowledge um, and all of these opportunities so I want to be LS as well um, and um, it construction and this includes residential commercial and industrial over the next 10 years starting in 2016, so from 16 to 26, um, it's projected to grow at 11%, which is, give or take, 750,000 jobs. That's cross-country. Right. Um, uh, so, and, and a lot of that is between retirement and then people leaving mm -hmm. at the last recession, that there was 600,000 jobs right there, and then another 150 that are just the new people that are always coming in. You know, we, we have a new apprentice class every single year. In, in every trade, there's new apprentice classes. Um, so with all of that opportunity that's out there, those jobs have to be, the people have to be replaced because the building happens. You, know, you can't outsource construction. You can outsource things, build cars somewhere else. You can build air conditioner, TVs. You can build that stuff somewhere else. You can't outsource our jobs. They have to be done here. You can't put a roof somewhere else and bring it here and boom, drop it into a helicopter, right? Um, if you can, I want to see so, that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, see it all wired up, too. Yeah. So, so that there's all of these job opportunities, it, it, people are starting to recognize. We're finally getting guidance counselors come to us and say, we got to tell our kids about it because it, because the opportunity is there 
and that and the, the shortage is also there usually that means the money's there right um and and so the the opportunity to make a good living in construction i think is being recognized as well um so it, it's finally coming back to people recognizing the opportunities there's a lot of openings and we need to let the young people know of the opportunities so um that's that was a we're... long way to get around to an answer of well, no, it's, it's finally it's, coming yeah, around. Yeah, to it, it's exactly what I was looking for because it, it, yeah. for many years, many many years, it it, uh, it, it essentially disappeared. I was uh, the apprenticeship director not... for eighteen years, and in the from two thousand until two thousand and ten, it was a secret. We talk about the construction trades and the apprenticeship programs being the best kept secret. Well, we said, why yeah. is it a secret, and mm-hmm. who in the hell's keeping it that way? Um, it shouldn't be, and and yeah. like I say, it's finally getting out there. No, that, that's exactly that was a great answer. It's exactly what I what I was looking for. Yeah. So uh, the yes, did you order? Well, I was just going to say, I and I think the parents are the hurdle mm-hmm. because yeah. I will, they're I'll, the biggest hurdle. I'll sit with the training directors from around Baltimore and Washington, and we'll talk about job fairs coming up. And one of the questions is inevitably asked: Is our college is going to be there? Because I don't want parents walking their kids right past me to the colleges. Right. You know, we want to have. See, it's a job there. I think colleges should not be allowed to be there. So. That's not. That's actually a good point. (laughs) I think it's about your your idea with this um, HarvardStudent.org, like a variation of Indeed with a focus on 18 to 25 year olds right so you can put an application on indeed and you can get anything across the spectrum um could be a good business idea you know i don't know if it's out there or not but some sort of variation of indeed focused on inexperienced or people with little experience you know that are looking to um get into the trade i mean even further even further focus it 18 indeed 18 to 25, inexperienced, looking to get in construction. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, um, but then I also think it's worth mentioning that, you know, when, when, a, when a structure is built, there are dozens of trades that are involved. Mm-hmm. Now, some trades are, repre- are, are the trades... You know what I'm saying? The, the the plumbers and steam fitters, the electricians, the plumbers, um, you know, the engineers, you know, but there's also landscapers, there's concrete guys, there's drywall trades, there's roofers. Several different ones. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and they're kind of segmented there. It's like some of the trades have apprenticeship programs, unions. And and you know some are some have like, like there's carpenters unions, but is it as popular as a plumber and steam fitters union? You know I don't know I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Right. But you, I mean you see what I'm getting at though? It's like there's like there's trades, and then there's like the the, the guy who's paving the driveway. Right. Well, we're one of those. I mean insulators were one of the other trades from the yeah. steam fitters to plumbers the electricians you know and and so are the painters the brick masons they're all like the secondary trades and you're right there are a lot like the first thing we have to do is explain to people what we do you know what's an insulator well no we don't do attics where we make insulate mechanical systems right. so yeah there are a lot of other trades 
other than the big ones. Yeah, and to, educate to think the, about. Yeah, and, and, and educating the, the yeah. kids when they when they're spoke to about trades that you can get a job with Whiting and Turner as an engineer um, or an architect, or you can get a job with a chuck and a truck. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. you know what I'm saying. That, that's construction. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it's a wide spec and it's a wide spectrum. And I think. Um, you know, I think there's a conversation there. I'm not sure how. You know, we don't want to go down a rabbit hole there, but um, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, there's 15, 15 trades right that are out there, um, and we do a a pre-apprenticeship program. And it, and it, uh, the building trades has an apprenticeship readiness program. Uh, we call it the multi-craft core curriculum. It's a it's a curriculum that does a broad just construction introduction to construction orientation. OSHA 10, right? It's got all this stuff to get them prepared so that when they get into an apprenticeship program, they can hit the ground running in the apprenticeship. It doesn't give them specific plumbing, electrical trades, but it just gives them basic construction knowledge. When when we get to the end of that program um, and every trade has been explained to them, it's no, you know, it never fails. You ask them which one you want to be, and I call it the top five, and it's electrician, plumber, steam fitter, but they all know it as HVAC. Um, carpenter and bricklayer, believe it or not. I, why would bricklayer be that high? I, I, the, you know, it doesn't, it never, uh, I never understood that the other ones are all in a house and the bricklayers, the house is done. You know what I mean? It's, but anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, went off crazy there. Um, but what I saw, what I tell the kids that come through these apprenticeship readiness programs is have your favorite trade. You want to be an electrician? Great. Go to apply to IBEW. Um, but have a second and third option. And electricians could also be good elevator guys. I really and, wanted to be an elevator guy, but... <laughs> well, I mean, you got to be an iron worker, too, to <laughs> yeah, be an elevator yeah. guy, right? But they've got all the controls, all they that stuff. They make the big bucks. Um, and, 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 but you got to have these other options, because what if the electricians aren't maybe taking application at the current time when your program ends, or just not hiring right now? They hired a month ago, and they filled all their spots, and they're not going to hire for another few months or you know so have these other options and that's where we hopefully get some of ours being the sub of a sub of a sub mm-hmm. um is that all you know we get our people because uh, the, the the availability of other work and you know i mean there's some people that know what we do and and are into energy efficiency and you know that's what we do as, as insulators um but that other trades need uh, they they all need to know of opportunity in other trades because every trade needs people. Right. Every oh, yeah. trade needs people. Well, how many apprenticeship programs are actually in high school? <laughs> all right. Let's. Re- how many in Harford County public high schools? None. I mean, if you want to count, I don't know if Harford Tech. Harford Tech is the closest thing we have of. A, a, a true curriculum in a school for well, the trade. But it's not an apprenticeship program. No, right? that's it. So that's the closest mm-hmm. thing. So that the I only one that I could think of now is what Thompson just started, which is for the Correct. Oregon Correct. And, and they get a lot. I know, in fact, I talked to um, Ron, Ron Filling. Yeah. I had a meeting with him, and he is he. I think he pulled most of his students from Edgewood, really yes. right in his so backyard, all, yeah. from the Finance Academy. And that is the closest thing. That's why earlier I said there's an exception. That's the closest thing in Hartford County to teaching life skills and getting them on a track for an apprenticeship is that that program. Um, 
I will say there is a growing, and I'm trying to help push this. There is a growing, it's kind of bubbling on the surface. There's a growing push from a lot of different organizations to get apprenticeship partnerships in the schools. You know, it's obviously in its infancy stages, but I'm hoping that with the website I'm starting and the program, I hope that that push continues. It's, it's a, it is the, the, the pendulum kind of swung all the way over here with college, and I think it's kind of starting to swing back. Now, we don't want it, you know, we need, it should be like somewhere in the middle. It seems like we go one way and then the other. Right now, we're over here. Yeah. But that, that push, you can definitely see where there's the push. In terms of the stigma, it does exist. Hmm. And especially, you know, I think that especially in my generation, you know, Gen Xers, they are at least aware of it. I think they're the ones pushing their kids into the college path, which for some kids, that is the appropriate path. And that's fine. You know, I don't. You know, we don't want the pendulum. It's not about, you know, one of the, I think the perception is people see the push for the trades as college bashing. And it's like, it. no, it's, it's college well, is a perfectly yeah. viable option for some students. What we're getting at is that there is a large number of students, and the statistics show this, that either don't know what they're doing after high school or they know that college, that's not, people, some people are not built for that. They don't, right. that's not their thing. So it's about capturing those students and maybe capturing some of the ones that went to college where it really wasn't the right path for them and bringing them into an apprenticeship program or some type of program that offers them a path to a career. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough conversation. Go ahead, Rich. No, go ahead. I mean, it's it's a tough um, that that's a tough one, man. You know, it's it's do you you know the, do do you get ahead in your early twenties? Or do you have fun? You know, it's your life, man, you know. Right. That's why some of those six-year college courses are only four-year degrees. You know, I mean, I know (laughs) uh, that's a tough one. You know, because you've got these expectations and this big life ahead of you and Mm -hmm. finance and and the economy and the the changing of of technology. That's a big one. And and all the stuff. And... um, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing until I was probably 27, 28 years old when I met my wife. You know, um, and I, I spent the better better half of my 20s um, having fun, you know, without getting too uh, specific, <laughs> you know. But, you know, but then I know other people that, that come out right at 21 and they're, they're right on it, you know. And, and I got a buddy of mine that's 29 years old. You know, he owns his own um, uh, insurance brokerage, you know, has a family, a home, you know, a couple years ahead of where I was when I was 29. So you got to kind of, it's it's all about, it, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's, 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 it's everybody's all, different. Yeah, everybody's different, and it's kind of hard to. Yeah, you, you, you prepare them and give them the tools they need yeah. uh, to survive and make those decisions, whether it's going to college right away, going to military, going to trade schools. Uh, or, or just or just going right into a job and, and working their way up from there. As long as they have the fundamentals in school, and, and, and I think the focus should be on the high school level. Um, I think at least, you know, years ago when I, when I was in school um, and, and before, you teach them the three R's, you give them an adequate amount of physical education, and people were very <laughs> capable of making the decisions on where they wanted to go. You didn't have to go heavy on the college or heavy on the trade focus or anything else. Um, now you can get real political with this and real 
deep into the social side of things, you know, the, the, the intact family uh, uh, equation came into there, you know, where, where boys had mentors and their fathers and uncles and, <coughs> excuse me, other male influences, you know, a lot of those things have disappeared. Mm -hmm. So they're left wondering, what do I do, you know? Um, I don't know what I want to do. So and uh, if, if you put the focus back in the school and back in, as I said before, I, I'm a big believer in mentorship. Um, whether it's within the family or if it's you know the, the business people coming in and giving these kids guidance and uh, uh, helping them out. Yeah, that is one thing that, that's definitely lacking. That's an interesting thing. point, and I, I would say that in talking to people so far, one of the biggest barriers is, and for example, the program with Thompson, there are some kids who do not have, whether it be one parent or either parent at home, they might be being raised by their brother. And I, that yeah. is an example that I've heard already. And that's that, you know, in these apprenticeship programs, some, I think some of the best programs are these, the, the mentors and the leaders in those programs have to be aware of the fact that some of these kids, they they're, have not had structure they struggled in school because they were so worried about what was going on at home, which is tough. I mean, that that's it's a huge gap there. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of have to be the mentor and the support system for that kid. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're responsible for raising them and giving them all the fundamentals. But it, it is a fact that you're going to get, if we are, if we can lift students out of that situation, there has to be someone to give them that support system. And it might be we have to find a grant or figure out a way to get them transportation because their transportation is walking along the two or three miles near their house. Or one of the big things is for some of the trades, like at the auto mechanic trade that, that, that you know I was hearing about, is that many of them have their own tools. Well, these kids don't have the financial means or the guidance. Some of them don't even, have never even used hand tools before. Right. So, the ass and this kind of this kind of gets a little bit into the deeper side of the personal, what the personal environment and the family environment from these kids that are coming into these programs. There also has to be the aspect of the mentorship just in general, not just in the specific mm -hmm. trade, but right. giving maybe giving some advice on hey, when you get your first few paychecks, let's do some talk about some basic budgeting and you know, and, and that's and it's tough because that's not necessarily what an apprenticeship leader, a mentor, that's not their job description. Their job description is, hey, we want we want to get kids into this trade or this program because that's what our company needs. That's what our union needs. But it's a there is a layer deeper where if we really want to connect to students who maybe don't have a path or they don't have that support system, someone it is going to take someone to reach out to them and go a little bit above and beyond just the surface level, getting mm -hmm. them a job, teaching them the trade. And that I think that is the biggest barrier and the biggest challenge, but it is something that I think can be addressed and that oh, yeah. we can get better with. Well, yeah, and that's one of the, <clears throat> real quick, that, that's one of the things that impressed me about uh, uh, Thompson Definitely. Motors, you know, Rob, when we had Rob. That's the example I was saying. You know, they, they, they <clears throat> excuse me, went the extra step, the extra mile yeah. um, to, to uh, help, help their apprentices um, with the life skills like budgeting and, and um, they interact with 
the parents. You know, they they're, they interviewed the parents. They interviewed yeah. the parents, and every then three they, months. they you know they they what was it? Every three months or so, they have yeah. progress meetings with the parents and the and the uh, the student. You know, and that that's a fantastic program. <clears throat> Excuse me. That um, uh, hopefully a lot of other businesses will follow, and, and I think that would do a world of good for a lot of these student, a lot of these kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. How are you guys have the apprenticeship program? And I don't know if any of you could answer this. How hard would it be for, say, like Joe's business to start an apprenticeship program? I don't know if, if, that's if a, you've that's ever a, thought about that. That's a good question. I mean, you know, that is a good question. And I know that um, that that could be a some that could be something to bring up mm -hmm. to, to Jake Adler at the um, Harford County. Um, what is it? The business development. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, you know, he kind of comes and visits newer businesses, and uh, you know, kind of is a liaison between the business and the county. But uh, that's a good question. You know, uh, a dealership like Thompson Toyota that that that's doing, they could be doing a hundred million a year for them mm -hmm. to implement some sort of a apprenticeship program. Probably wouldn't be a be a problem. But a, a small to medium sized business. Mm -hmm. um, there could be some challenges there, but that could be some sort of initiative that could be um, that, that could be you know and thought it could about. Be worthwhile, yeah, too. absolutely. I mean, and I only say it too because I think of uh, I don't know if you know Chris Coleman or not. Four, four Seasons Nursery and Landscape. And I see it's a lot of landscape companies. They are constantly going through employees because it's well, of course, for landscape. I don't know if there is an apprenticeship program, but who says you can't start one? Yeah, because they get people that come on and they either showing up late, they just don't have the, I guess, back to the fundamentals. You know, as they're not being told or taught. During, and these are young kids. You know, when to be to work, you know, or how to do it and all this. And he's just going, I see with a lot of companies, they're going through these young kids like crazy because the kids get there and they really don't want to do the work. But I think it was a, with an apprenticeship program, number one, it's showing their interest mm -hmm. if they join the program. And if they, if you have that interest there, I think it's they stay with the, not just with the business, but in the field. Long I, that well. I would, so that's a big thing for the, so I'm obviously not familiar with the costs of starting an apprenticeship program. Right. So I think that would be up to you know the business owners to figure out, but once you do figure that out and you do come up with some type of system, I'm confident that getting the students into that system will not be hard, or at least piquing their interest. I think that there might be some barriers, like I said, with do they have the transportation, do they have the tools they need, right. but certainly one of my goals and one of the things I'm going to do this year is educate students on the skilled trade and apprenticeship opportunities, and I just in the fact that I created the website for students, I know for a fact there is interest, there will be demand for it. It's just a matter of, like you said, the fundamentals. And another one I can think of that I've heard from business owners is is an interview. How do you conduct yourself in an interview? Yes. You know, how to, all, and in, kind of in addition to that is a resume, building a resume. And some students don't even have the resources, don't have the computer or the printer at home to put together a resume. So Wait, that's... You know what, here's the thing, and I hear this argument a lot with the Leos. You know, the Leos are, for those listening that don't know, are kids between the ages of 12 and 18. So a lot of these kids are going out looking for jobs between 16 and 18. And I always push to have a resume. Well, I don't have a job yet, so I have, what can I put on my resume? 
you know what? Put on your resume what you've done in school, what what Absolutely. Uh, c community organizations like the Leos you belong to and all that. Put that stuff on there and how long you've been with them. That's going to show you know, show something on your resume. Right, and, and, and employers are going to know if you're 16, yeah. 17 years old. They don't, it's not like they expect you to have job opportunities. They right. know your entry level. So that's... Interviewing's a key thing. It, right. Just, how many yeah. people show up to an interview, you know, I mean, just look like you crawled out of bed or whatever. Or, right. You know, if your interview's at 8, be there at 7.45. You know, I'm, I've always said if you're more than if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. Yeah, I think the, the, I, I hear that sentiment sentiment at work pretty often. Huh? One time is late. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's about education. You know, somehow getting into the school and telling them not you know the the trades is just as a viable option as anything else. Whether you're an engineer, or you're a doctor, or you work at a, you know, grocery store, you know, logistics, a purchasing manager, you're a framer, you know, you're a master electrician, you know, you you, you own a you know you own a roofing company, you know, whatever it is, right. a landscaping company, to, you know, to, to educate that that that's no that, that can be. No longer symbolized as the the, the trickled the, the strained out trickle down. If you couldn't find a job or you you, you couldn't make the grade, then you're going to go out and bang nails. You know, it's it's that, that that's that's the stigma Amen. that needs to change. That right is there. true. I, I would definitely say and, that there, that sentiment does exist. And something needs to surround that. Some sort of initiative needs to kind of insulate that and educate. You know, because um, that's where it starts. I think that that initiative, I see the connection is you have the kids and you have the businesses. Where you, you know, business owners, the unions, they know who has the apprenticeship programs, who's doing this, who's doing that. The kids don't know that. Whereas the kids know, hey, we know about how many of us are interested in, are probably not interested in going to college or maybe don't know their career path. One of the number one things you hear, they like to work with their hands. I can't tell you how many kids have, that's the first thing they've told me. I'm like, you should be in a trade. But anyway. That's exactly uh, why I got into a trade. I couldn't stand sitting at a desk. That's, you know, the, that's the, it. The funny thing is you oh hear that a lot from people, and, and then when they actually do work with their hands, not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, typing is not what I meant by working with my hands. But but the point is, you have. I think it. you have to... The, the really what I'm going to do, not just trying to do, but going to do, is bridge the gap between the businesses and the students. Yeah, whether it's a, an, an assembly, exactly. You know, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a online um, advertise advertising initiative to all the the Facebook feeds or the Instagram feeds, whatever that is, or if it's. Um, you know, getting out there and talking like this. Get, yeah, getting out and talking, <laughs> doing pocket, whatever it is, um, or 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 maybe the the kind of reinvention of the public school shop class, where it's not the old guy making a picture frame. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, right, maybe I, it's you know it something yeah. new or different. Right. You know, maybe uh -huh. they're building a tiny house, and they're engineering it. 
You know what I'm saying? Then you'll find those kids that want to focus. You know, the the one. You know, the the kids that elect to be in those classes. Oh, yeah. yeah you know good, what I'm saying? Good point. A you project could, based type class. You're yeah, building exactly. a house in every you, aspect of yeah. from design to that last that last roofing nail. Yeah. yeah. You, could, you could show them that like these trades yeah. really aren't that hard. I mean, people are usually pretty impressed that I'm an electrician, but I mean, I think a high school kid could wire up a receptacle. I don't think they should, but <laughs> they they easily could. And like, there's plumbing that's probably pretty easy for me to understand. And but the thing is, so dude, that so stuff forth. should be taught in high school. Exactly. Because you think about drywall. It, if, Anybody if should know had, how to cut out drywall. If you're smelling something, you have a short in your house. Are you going to wait for the electrician to come? <laughs> or you know, or if you have a leak on your faucet, right? You know, there's some things where needs to be fixed right away oh yeah and a lot and, of it is so much cheaper than having to hire somebody to come out yeah and i'm not i'm sorry i'm not impressed about you until you come fix my ceiling thing yeah okay so i guess i kind of along the lines of this initiative um i'll put in a plug for harford student connect so what is harford student connect um i started it it's not an hcps initiative it's not it's for now it's independent i am working with them and there's been a lot of cooperation which has been really good um, it's a website it is it has three pillars the first one is connecting students to internships so this is going to be your APG you know your engineering math science internships maybe there's a, a student who's looking to go into web design and the marketing there's companies like that in downtown Bel Air downtown Harvard really all over Harford County so the internships is the you know we're giving you some work experience it's a lot of I find in that pool it's a lot of kids that are are interested in going to college but they don't really have any they haven't tried anything they don't have work experience so there's that category the second category is the skilled trade and apprenticeship programs that's the one I'm pushing hard because that's really where the idea of the website got started but so that's you know the listings what's available in Harford County where is it what businesses are offering what what are the details on the program mm -hmm. is it feasible for me click on it they contact you and it and I should I don't want to get too off track but I should add it really is up to the student the parent the counselor whoever it is helping the student to reach out to the business and to to seek out that opportunity or apply for the position so we're giving you the connection but it's still up to the student the parent to make that to make the leap and to you know, go to the job interview or to fill out the application. And then the third pillar is community service organizations. Allowing community service organizations to advertise their service opportunities uh, in Harford County. And, you know, students, not only do they need service hours, a lot of them like, you know, serving in the community. And there's often that lack of connection between the students and the organizations. They don't know what's available to them. And that goes for anything, community service, jobs, apprenticeships. So those are the three pillars. It's totally free for businesses. If you, you can put up one or a hundred listings, it totally is up to what you have available. Um, but you know, I do want it to be something that leads to, it, it's something building a career pathway or at least exposing them to an option. It's not, you know, as much as McDonald's, Wendy's, that kind of work, that can be good work as a high schooler, that's not the type of opportunities that we're publishing. It's, mm -hmm. you know, introducing a potential career pathway or giving some work experience before going to college if that's the path they they take um, Good so idea. that's that's and it you know it's I'm not just making the website and saying okay there it is right. um, it's gonna be I'm gonna be pushing the initiative pushing the resources and not just whether it has to do with my website if there's an apprenticeship program or there's a skilled work opportunity 
that's another program. I, I want to push that to students. So I don't want to, you know, overwhelm them with a ton of options. Right. I do want to have a few core, op, you know, programs or options. But it, mine is really just, hey, you have an opportunity, fill out the form on the website. You know, we're going to take a look at it to make sure it's a good opportunity. And then it's published. And it's up there until someone takes it or you want it you know, taken down. It's totally, it's really flexible for business owners. Students, you know, they can scroll through on their phone in 10 seconds and, you know, see what are the opportunities. Let me read more about it. So it's easy to use. It's easy to get a um, listing on there if you're a business owner. And it's just, it's really, I think, the first step in connecting students to these opportunities and hopefully bridging the gap with the school system and getting getting them thinking toward the future in that, in that avenue. So how, how are you, um, and you touched on it briefly before we started, but uh, one, how are you reaching out to area businesses and what is your criteria? You know, is, is, is it local business or is it uh, multinational corporations like Kohl's and Edco and, and others? And the second part of this is, is how are you reaching out? I know you just started, but you're, you're planning to reach out to the students in the county. Okay, so a few things. So the first part is reaching out to business owners doing something like this going I've gone and met with some of many of them directly so it might just be I call them you know someone tips me off hey this business is doing this you should go meet with them I will go and directly I'll talk to you on the phone I'll meet with you it might be going to a job fair it, it's so in terms of reaching out to businesses I'm doing everything I can to contact as many as possible so any any suggestions anyone here has for you know, reaching out. Oh, also, I should mention the business administrations, the Chamber of Commerce, all those right, organizations. Right. Definitely, I'm building connections with. So, that's a little bit of a. I'm doing everything I possibly can in terms of reaching out to the students. There's a couple big avenues. One is social media. That's mm -hmm. potentially the biggest one in terms of just putting Instagram, Twitter. Here's an opportunity. You know, go to this link. There's also the. Um, every month we have student government meetings. It's the responsibility of those delegates to take back from those meetings what was presented and some of the, if there's any flyers, any materials, to their home school. So that's, that's the big convention of students every month where you can really re reach out and branch out. I would say the third one is me going and visiting schools and that's what I'm starting this year and not just during the school day but going to events in the community that are that are you know have students or um, school sponsored events that's where building those you know one-on-one um, -on -one connections and talking mm -hmm. to students that would be the third one so those are the three big avenues for reaching out to students right now um, and I've found that all of them in their own way have have built connections and um, have really helped me get a sense of what students are looking for and what their concerns are and and college and career readiness which is kind of the buzzword for it now that is always one of the top three mentioned um, if not the top it, yeah and a quick quick follow-up question you mentioned uh, what students are thinking what what process are you using um, uh, for feedback from the student or will be using from the so there's body? a couple so the easiest the one that will definitely be running that I'll be doing, whether it's through social media or a website link, is surveys, because that's really easy to collect information. Right. Some of them, it's a matter of getting written feedback and compiling that 
it's not as easy, obviously, to put in data into a spreadsheet or anything like that, but it gives me an idea of what they're looking for. And then the third one is just talking to them and right, taking notes on their on their feedback. So, um, I you know, I really like surveys because it gives you a clear breakdown and you get data, but I think it's also good to have those one-on-one conversations because you start seeing patterns. Mm. Um, if not, students saying the exact same thing you know, as the last student did. So mm-hmm. that's, I like those conversations. That's, that's always something. That, I wonder if that wouldn't be beneficial to, to Jim and Brian, uh, you know, if you were to share information from surveys and, oh, uh, you know, what, the, what, what the, the, the students are thinking, you know, uh, where their minds are and, and, and maybe help you to uh, adjust things in your programs. Jim will kill me, but I'll volunteer him to come with you to some of those school places. <laughs> and, and I should say, and I don't, you know, we're still working out the schedule, so I don't want to make any promises yet on nailing things down. But, you know, our Hartford County student government meetings every month, it's usually somewhere between 50 and 150 students, depending on how interesting the agenda is and what's going on in schools that day. You know, they're always looking for, if it's educational, if it has something to do with students, their school life, you know, college and career, anything like that, um, they're willing to have speakers come. So that might be an opportunity that I can contact you about is talking about what you're, what you do, how you got into the trade, what their opportunities are. Um, I could certainly talk to the, to the executive board about having a day like that. I have found that, that my most successful ways to get high school students wasn't a career fair where you sit at a table and give away pencils. It was being able to have a presentation, mm-hmm. tell them why you're there, allow for some Q&A, and then yeah. come June, I would get a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and other trades. I would, use, I would always go in as the insulator, but I would do a, a full turf building trades presentation for all of the trades. Um, and other, other trades would get students as well. That's, that's always the the best way and I would also mm-hmm. say outside of the you know the presentation the events that I'm that are student-led you know don't be afraid to reach out to the you know Hartford County School I would say if you reach I can give you some email address to people if you reach out to the school system and say hey I want to present this to students they might have some ideas you know they're not there's a lot of things you know in in terms of the school day they don't like having a lot of assemblies and stuff all the mm-hmm. time because it interrupts the school day but they, they might have some idea. There's parent academies now. Um, the new chief of administration, Eric Davis, is starting par- parent academies to help parents understand what kind of questions should I ask at a parent-teacher conference, what resources are there for me and my students. That might be, again, I'm just, I haven't talked to them about that, but I'm just speaking about potential avenues. That could be one. They might be open to having you come into some schools in, a, you know, in addition to what I can offer you with mm-hmm. a student-specific presentation. So I, I can give you some contact information. They might have some ideas on, on you know, at least doing some type of presentation. I don't think that committing to a you know, new curriculum yet is necessarily the <laughs> pathway that, that we're going. But it, that, that could certainly be another option because the best way, really, to reach students is if you can get into the schools and talk to mm-hmm. them, that's... Yeah, you know, yeah. and they love students. Do love those presentations. <clears throat> it, oh, yeah. it, it's very engaging. Um, with your, what's it? Harford Student Connect. Harford Student Connect. All right. Now, is this something you created on your own, or is this through the school system? I created it, you and then created I started. It so you run it. That, okay. Correct. For now. So that's 
All right, at least for this you, next year. You're a senior this year, right? Correct. Okay, because one of the things you mentioned getting out to the schools and talking to the different schools, which during the school year I know can be hard. Right. Have you thought about going to any of the homeschooling groups? And the reason I ask that is because homeschooling is growing, not just in Hartford County, but throughout the country. And they have group. I mean, we've had them on the podcast before. They have large groups that get together where they do a lot of the training and everything. Like yeah. Something to think about uh, for you, Ryan, too, going and talking to them because there are a lot of mm-hmm. and, and there's, or Jim, I'm sorry. So for you to go talk to Jim. <laughs> that's that's uh, another thing you learn. I'm writing it down. His delegation. Yeah, so. Because one of the things which baffled me is when we had this homeschooling group on here is how many of these kids that are homeschooled, of course, I think they graduate early, but are going off to college. They're not looking at a lot of the trades. They don't know about them. Right. Yeah. The answer is no, but I made that note, so I would be interested. And and even, and you know, in terms of my connections, they are, because I'm the representative for the public schools, it is mainly the public middle and high schools, but, you know, I would even be interested if I had the opportunity to make the connection with the private you know, there, there's John Carroll and mm-hmm. Harford Christian. There's a couple other private schools that you know, I don't necessarily, I don't want them to be left out of the conversation just because they're not in the, you know, the public school system. This is for any middle and high school students, specifically high school, that are, are you know, that need direction or guidance on that career path. And, it, you know, the numbers show it is a lot of them that are unsure, or, you know, um, on where they're going. So I think that it's, you know, I definitely don't want to be exclusive in the program. It really is for anyone. Yeah. Uh, and I think I didn't really answer the previous question. I, I am mainly looking to keep the website for Harford County businesses. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily matter whether they're local or multinational. I find that a lot of them I've talked to so far are local. Um, but, I, you know, it, it, it's difficult to ask students to, you know, go into an apprenticeship program outside of, the county right now, especially if they're still in that 16 to 18 year age range and they're in high school, some of them aren't even driving yet. Right. Um, but what if it is through one of the unions? So that would be... And most, and not just the unions, just trades in general. Yeah. Um, are commercial and industrial trades are regional and you, you can't expect, a, a new apprentice shouldn't expect to be able to stay within their county, whichever county they're from. Yeah. Um, the electrician school is in, in Baltimore County. Our school is just at the very northern tip of Prince George's, but it's in Prince George's County. Um, uh, I would say that most of the trades are probably in Baltimore County. The, the Baltimore trades are in mm-hmm. Baltimore County. Um, they're, they're apprenticeship schools, but the work's all over. Yeah. Um, it's a metropolitan job when you're getting into the construction trades um so that's another thing that that they should understand um right. and that transportation is so important and that's a big yeah, barrier and, and big the reason up. i i think that one for some students it is perfectly feasible for them to go anywhere but you know and, and when i'm talking about mainly harvard county businesses one it is mainly so i already have talked to some that are carol cecil Baltimore, but I think that the work being in different places, you know, I don't think that's so much of a problem as just the fact that I don't want to leave 
some students behind and understanding that they have huge transportation barriers, mm-hmm. which is why what Thompson mm-hmm. is doing is so is so yeah. great because they're they, they really are going after students yeah. along that you know that. Which strip. is why they're only doing it with Edgewood High School right now right. too. So if and that's where it comes into one. I think that it, you know, not necessarily every student has that barrier, but also, I think this is really for me and my job in seeking these things out and finding people that can is, you know, there are avenues for transportation grants and for, mm-hmm. you know, th- so even though there is that barrier, there's ways to overcome that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say that also it would be good for students to have that exposure outside of their county because there really are some students who have never left Harford County. Because well, they the haven't thing, had that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, very true. And the other thing is too, even though like with Joe, Joe's a Harford County based business, but, but he the does work outside of Harford right. County. Right, right. Crazy to. not to. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's busy. Yeah, it's yeah. Business. So I think the idea is, yeah, the, the the and I think naturally in building these connections, a lot of the businesses either do work in Harford County or are based here. So that's been the direction so far, but it, you know. All, a lot of these trades, like they do work everywhere. That's not mm-hmm. a problem. That's fine, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, if I didn't offer that, we wouldn't have any businesses on there. So it's just, it's it's you know, understanding that it's good for students to get that exposure, but also doing everything I can to, you know, get those students into an opportunity that don't have the flexibility to move around as much. Um, and again, I do think that that is the biggest challenge, at least for now. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and it's all going to grow and change and modify as you Definitely. move along, and and uh, uh, things you don't think about now are going to present themselves, you know, three, four, five months from now. So yeah. And I don't know if I said this, but the link for it is HartfordStudent.org. In terms of the future of it, you know, I, I hope I can get the ball rolling with the connections and the partnerships and connecting business owners to students. Um, you know, a year from now. We'll we'll see where that goes. It might be a matter of it. You know, I know the Ch- Harford County Chamber of Commerce is, has a lot of interest and has been really um, diving into this, the aspect of skill trade, apprenticeships, internships. So it might be something where what I've started becomes a big program um, in the county. The answer is I don't know yet, but I know for a fact this year. Um, that would be a, a great organization to, to take over from and sponsor going forward. Definitely. And that... And, that and, when you're finished with your your college, uh, he's not going to college. Jim's going to be his instructor through the apprenticeship program. There you go. Right. <laughs> we need to get him a spot. <laughs> um, come back and make a business out of it. You never know. Uh, take it outside the county, outside the state. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, and I don't want to. There was one thing I also I didn't want to leave out. You know, there are some interesting <clears throat> options that aren't necessarily the cl- the electricians, the plumbers, the what you think of as the the first thing that come to mind when you say trades. Uh, I met with someone who who has running a program in Maryland and D.C. where she has opportunities where you can assemble drones and write programming for video games. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily require a college education so much as they're offering the training for that specific career. Mm -hmm. And their focus is kind of technology of the future blended in with trade work so maybe you're not necessarily for the for the drones you're not necessarily writing the programming for the drones and you know figuring planning it and figuring out what they're going to be able to do but you are in the assembly and the wiring and I think that's interesting because maybe for students who you know they really are into STEM or they're really into 
the video game was really interesting because a lot of kids my age are really into video games, yeah. is there are career paths in those type of, of fields, um, and they don't necessarily require a college education. So that's another thing to think about that's, that's you know, if a student has a passion that maybe it doesn't fall into the, the you know, what do you think of as the classical trades, there are still, you know, hand, hands-on work opportunities yeah, in those. Sure. Christian, Jim, Brian, Danny, Joe, Lyle, thanks again. And, uh, yeah, whatever we can do to, you know, help this grow. and Spread get, the word. Yeah, yeah, spread the word, man, about skilled labor. Because yeah. there's, I know there's not enough electricians and carpenters out there. Hell, I've still been waiting for months for an electrician to come to my house, like I said, to fix a ceiling fan. So thanks again, guys. Uh, once again, if you want to be on the Hartford County Living Show, it is free to come on. I encourage anybody to come on. Uh, just email podcast at harfordcountyliving.com or call 443-982-0250. Right, never going to get my damn ceiling fan fixed now. My God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Harford County Living. You can actually go to HartfordCountyLiving.com and click on podcast. And from there, click on the episode and there are links to our guests and our sponsors. And I encourage you to please, please visit them. Again, that's HartfordCountyLiving.com and click on podcast. Also, you can subscribe to the podcast from there as well. You also see a banner there that says, buy me a coffee. And if you click on that, you can make a contribution to the Hartford County Living Show so we can keep this going. You can do either monthly or you can do a one-time fee. And what we're going to do at the end of each episode is mention all of those that have contributed so far. And so far, the ones that have made a contribution through Buy Me a Coffee are Robin Burke, Law Garrity, and you've heard him on the show several times, Carol Garrity, Rhonda Herb, who was actually listening up in canada kathy cindy skilton natalie forrest someone that's anonymous of course now grisada baker and we have a monthly supporter recreating wellness